0: Yeah, big day for DFW Sports. There's no doubt about it. The Rangers trying to go up 2-0 on the Astros. And, yes, Monday Night Football tonight, the Dallas Cowboys and the L.A. Chargers of Anaheim. Welcome in to the midday program, the award-winning midday show with Trey and BK. It is Monday, October 16th, 20 and 23. We're with you for the next hour. Talking plenty of sports. We'll get into the baseball. We'll recap the big college football weekend. Of course, there was no Texas game, but plenty of college football happenings to talk about. We'll also discuss what happened in the NFL yesterday. Yeah, we will set the stage for the big sports day coming up in the state of Texas later today. Trey, how was your weekend, brother? It's pretty good. Yeah, Washington, Oregon lived up to the hype. It was a pretty
1: good weekend, BK. A mix of football youth sports and then some playoff baseball to cap the weekend last night and it was a game that fortunately went in our favor we'll certainly talk about that but i have to ask you because you were at ACL live these last couple of days how was your weekend it was
0: good it was a lot of fun my voice isn't 100% there uh I feel like i'm probably going to be coming down with something at some point over the next couple of hours but Uh, no, it was a great time, man. Shout out to Tom McKay. AV consultations came through with the wristband and got to spend a lot of time with him. Got to spend a lot of time with the kid over the last couple of days. It was fun. There, there are, let me go old man here for a second. There are too many people at that festival. I mean, it's just a nightmare trying to walk anywhere. Uh, but no, nah, it was uh, it was great. The live music was fun. The weather was perfect. That was the best part. I mean, I've been to a few ACLs in my life. I'm not one of those dudes that goes every single year. But of the, I don't know, four or so that I've been to, that was far and away the best weather that I had ever dealt with at ACL. And everybody I talked to said pretty much the same thing. So obviously it was beautiful in Austin over the last couple of days. That made a difference. Uh, a lot of people, but good music, good food, good crowd, and a uh, ton of fun.
1: Now, you were most anticipating Foo Fighters, so did they live up to the billing? What was another act or two that really caught your attention?
0: And did you check out Death Grips? No, I didn't check out Death Grips. I don't even remember when they were on. Sorry about that. Was that yesterday? Just a suggestion. I don't remember. Uh, Maybe I did. Like, that's that's my big problem. I just didn't know, like, 95% of the act, so I don't even know who I saw. People are like, who was your favorite show? It's like, well, I saw Foo Fighters, and... Uh, some of Mumford and Sons and, well, who you, who else do you see? Like, weren't you Fuck there? Mumford and Sons. <laughs> like, weren't you there for like eight hours both days? I'm like, yeah, but I, you know, you expect me to remember who I saw? I don't know. I'm just walking around listening to music, man. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was good. Hosier was good. You know oh, that, okay. Yeah. The take me to church guy. You heard that song? Yeah. Uh, he was really good yesterday. His band was, uh, was solid too. Um, yeah. was a guy? I just assumed Hozier was a band. It's, ooh i think it's a guy okay i don't know if he's like a soccer player though where it's one name i don't know if like that's his first name or his last name but i i think Hozier himself is just a he him not a they them as a band
1: it's the anti-pink floyd where for the first 15 years of my life i thought pink floyd was a person and it turned out that was a band how the hell did you think pink floyd was a person I just, I heard the name Pink Floyd. I knew it was 60s, 70s. I'm like, all right, you know, that's the name that his parents gave him or that he gave himself. How many people you know named Pink? You know, the same type of person that's going to name
0: a boy Sue as the Johnny Cash song goes. Mm, Yeah, or George Costanza's kid because Seven and Soda were already taken. So I guess they had to go with Pink. Who knows? Mm-hmm. but yeah it was fun I, I walked 10 miles yesterday i'm not built for that that's like three months of walking for me god no kidding yeah everything hurts dude I, I might have to go to relax the back and i don't know what i'm gonna get i'm just gonna crawl in there and be like i need something please it's my back i
1: understand why you're a little bit sick now 10 uh-huh. miles that is a lot for any human much less somebody who literally goes
0: days on end without Leaving his own apartment. Yeah. Yeah. The walking I do is from uh, one bedroom in my apartment to the other bedroom. Like that's, that's about the extent. A couple trips to the kitchen. Uh, I'll go to the door to get my Uber Eats. Uh, and that's, that's it. That's usually what I do. The 10,000 step bit has gotten a lot of run over the last 10
1: years now, but you're on like the 500 step bit. If you cross 500 in a day, you feel like
0: you've, uh, you've just run a marathon. Oh, dude. I'm such a piece of shit. Like I've got one of these, uh, Apple Watch things. Yeah. Tracks that... How am I so bad at this? There it is. Uh, That like tracks, you know, they've got the circles that tracks your fitness. And I have mine set to the lowest, right? Mm -hmm. Like the least amount of work required, least amount of steps, least amount of calories, least amount of any physical exertion that I have to do for me to close these rings. And I never do it. I mean, I never, ever do it. So that tells you how much I'm usually doing. And yeah, the last couple, I probably walked like eight miles on Saturday and got 10 in yesterday. So it was a lot.
1: My wife was annoyed because those things, or she wasn't annoyed, but she made the observation that the newer versions will encourage you to get moving if it's been a certain amount of time since you've taken 100 steps or whatever it is. I hope that's a feature that you can turn off because otherwise your watch is just going to
0: be chirping at you nonstop to get moving. It's on Do Not Disturb. 24-7, there yeah, no notifications. I keep my phone on sleep. I don't even know what that means. It just doesn't, it doesn't go off, which is great. So I have to uh,
1: make an admission about my kids today, BK. Uh-oh. It's not embarrassing necessarily. It's that my kids are apparently really good at soccer. My son had two games this weekend and five total goals, He's a little speed demon out there. He's the best defensive player that his team has. He's one of the few kids who understands how to pass, and he's a good goal scorer. And Vivian is also really solid at soccer, too. But on Sunday morning, here we go with coffee shop conflict again. Oh no. Maybe start to become a weekly bit. Also not my fault once again. Okay. We'll, but I go we'll in judge and, uh, of that. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. So they have a game on Saturday or they have games on Saturday and then they have makeup games on Sunday from a few weeks ago when I think it was raining maybe or it was too hot or something. And so on Sunday morning, I'm doing the normal Sunday morning grocery store run, grab coffee beforehand, but I go into the same coffee shop where I had the incident with the dog lying in the middle of the floor because Some Yahoo thought that the coffee shop was her living room. Well, I go in there today on Sunday and typical chit chat, like, Hey, how's it going? Any big plans today? And I'm like, yeah, actually I do have plans. Going to go, going to watch a couple of youth soccer games this afternoon. And so I said, my kids are decent. So it's not a complete beating. And the barista looks up at me and she's like, I'm going to pretend like I didn't just hear that. And I'm like, didn't just hear what? She's like, that you just basically made fun of the fact that youth soccer is so unwatchable. I said, oh, well, I guess to each their own. She's like, yeah, I really love going and watching. And I said, okay, that's cool in really small doses. But if your kid's the one chasing the butterfly, then it's not a whole lot of fun to go watch week in and week out. My kids are actually decent, so it makes it more fun. And she just like scoffed at me. And I'm like, go get my go get me my cold brew coffee winch. You know, I just walked, walked around the counter. I didn't say that last part. I just Walked around the counter and she said nothing to me the rest of the time. It's like, did I say something so bad by saying my kids are decent enough at soccer that it's not a complete beating to go watch these games each and every week?
0: You winch. Come on.
1: You called her a winch, didn't you? I wish. Oh God! If I thought about it in the moment, I might have considered it. I didn't think about it, and so I
0: was just retelling the story to you right now. You female servant, go get me my coffee. Like Bucky with the manservants on the plane. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Does she even have a kid, or is she no. like me in November with the pedo stash going to watch random youth sporting events? Mm,
1: I don't know if she's gambling on those, so it's not a <laughs> one-to-one comparison necessarily. This is a person that I feel like is dealing with a little bit of rest of development. Like she was telling me a few months back that she's a big, big Sesame Street fan. Like we talked about, I forget if you and I talked about this on the show over the last few weeks. There was a group of people called Disney adults mm. who will, they're, they're adults. They don't have kids, but they spend a lot of money going to Disneyland and Disney World and watching all the movies because they just love it. And it takes them back to a place of innocence or it helps them to work through issues that they dealt with in their childhood by getting to experience the magic of Disney World as an adult. She does that, but with Sesame Street. And so it's like, look, everybody has their thing that they still harken back to childhood for a lot of guys it's sports. Let's be honest about it. But it could be wrestling or it could be sports cards or, you know, pick an activity. Star Wars is another big one. But for an adult to be obsessed with Disney or Sesame Street is a little bit suspect.
0: How old is she? I'd say she's probably in her mid to late twenties. Okay. Yeah, Sesame Street. I mean, there there's yeah. some Disney things that are worth liking, but Sesame Street, I mean, that's that's early childhood stuff right there. Like there's no appeal. Like I can watch an episode of Spongebob SquarePants right now and still enjoy it. Like some of it's nostalgia, but like I think there's enough like innuendo and mature oh, yeah. conversation to where it's like, all right, like this is still kind of enjoyable, but Sesame Street is like that's as that's as right. youthful as it gets, right? Yeah, and the occasional Disney movie
1: has like a dick and balls in the, in the clouds that you can see upon fifth viewing or whatever. Yeah. So they have little things like that that the cartoonists have slipped in there. Sesame Street doesn't have any of that. You're absolutely right. It's like for kids four and under, for her to be obsessed with Sesame Street, and by the way, I say this as somebody who completely understands the plight of the cookie monster because we all want our cookie, 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 but to be obsessed with the show on the whole – like Big Bird, that heroin addict Snuffleupagus, Abby Kadabi, the Grouch, Abby Cadabby, the original gay TV uh, gay TV couple, Bert and Ernie. <laughs> like, you're really
0: still obsessed with that whole world, dude. That's not nearly as bad as her being obsessed with youth soccer without having a kid. That's the real <laughs> issue here, dude. Like, even <laughs> okay, some parents will lie. Like they'll support their kids. This is you. Like, but you'll support your kids regardless of what they do because that's what being a good parent is i think uh but like it's it's okay to pretend to like youth soccer i guess if you're a parent but you can't you can't be liking youth soccer or even pretending to like youth soccer if you don't have any kids or even like a niece or a nephew involved like that is that is weird man my guess is that she was offended by
1: the my kids are decent so it's it's not a complete beating because she was probably one of
0: the butterfly chasers when she was a kid yeah you're just sitting in the mud just picking grass and stuff chasing the butterflies yeah there's always a few yeah and look like I, i'm
1: i don't necessarily have an issue with that as long as it's not my kid like if it's my kid it's a complete waste of time and money yeah so we're going to find something else to do that keeps them
0: more engaged. I just I have to know from my fantasy team what these kids are looking like this year. So I'll go to that coffee shop and get a scouting report from this winch who apparently is all about your kids' youth soccer league. I would really tone down the
1: whole having fantasies about kids conversation the rest of the way if I were
0: you. That's not what I said. <laughs> that is not what I said. It's a good spin zone there. I'm on your side on this one. She sucks. Youth sports suck. Uh, Go kids. Good luck to you.
1: Some youth sports is okay. When you're talking about like
0: seven, eight, nine-year-old kids, it's still a pretty freaking raw version of the sport. Yeah. There's a reason nobody besides parents or siblings who are forced by their parents to go to these games, go to these games. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's talk about uh, professionals. These are worth talking about. These are worth watching regardless of how old you are, you're not a creep if you're watching the American League Championship Series right now. What a win for the Rangers, two to nothing in Game One of the ALCS. The story: the Rangers pitching, namely the starting pitcher Jordan Montgomery. He was magnificent, six and a third scoreless, got out of a couple of jams in the third and the fourth inning. He was awesome. Uh, the Astros offense couldn't get anything going. The Rangers bullpen, much maligned all year, oh boy, Alex Bregman nearly tied the game. Uh, But because of the oddities of Minute Maid Park, it turned into a crazy double play that helped preserve the Rangers' victory. And, uh, Trey, the Rangers find a way to get it done, and history is on their side. Game one winners of these best-of-seven MLB postseason series go on to win the series about 65% of the time. So uh, a good start for the jurors, and obviously they try to go up 2-0 a little bit later today.
1: Yeah, huge win indeed, BK, and they did it in a pretty unorthodox way. They uh, they manufactured that first run after Evan Carter, which boy, what a a fortunate find for this roster, calling him up like they did in early September, and just how much he's meant at the plate, and then also on the field too. Speaking of that Bregman play and him getting the ball back in quickly to go along with a bit of a mental mistake by Jose Altuve is such a weird play because he was right there on the bag, but. By the letter of the law, and I think he would say this as well, he needed to tag the bag again before he ran back to first base. So it was a nice break uh, for the Rangers, and I think it helped uh, our oldest Chapman to really calm down and and get through the last out of that inning, thankfully. And then a great job by LeClerc to shut things down in the ninth. But, you know, they manufacture that first run and they get the second run from Leody Tavares, and he hit some home runs this year, but he wasn't a huge, huge threat necessarily. For him to send that shot in the right field seats like he did was just an enormous insurance run. And credit to Montgomery and the bullpen, which we talked about this last week. The bullpen, ERA-wise, has been better in the postseason, but as you pointed out, they hadn't been forced to deal with a high-leverage situation or that many high-leverage situations just yet they dealt with high leverage situations last night and the first three guys to come into the game out of that bullpen well they uh they get passing grades they get better than mm-hmm. passing grades as a matter of fact for what they were able to do
0: yeah you look at the box score and the bullpen went two and two-thirds scoreless innings and they only gave up one walk right that was josh spores walking yep. jose altuve to start off the eighth on a borderline pitch yes yeah yeah. uh you know altuve got erased on that double play yeah weird play uh Base running mistake by Altuve. His feet just got crossed up at second base. It was an unbelievable catch by Evan Carter. But, yeah, the box score says it was all good. But, man, I still have zero faith in oldest Chabin. He got lucky. I did it. Bregman hits that ball 15 feet to the left. It's in the Crawford boxes. We're tied up at two. And the Astros probably find a way to win that game last night. I have no faith in oldest Chabin in this series. I I don't either. I just don't because the Astros have owned him over the course of his entire career and every time Chapman comes into the game regardless of opponent it's an adventure but when he goes up against the Astros dude I mean it just feels like bad things always happen so even though he technically went one two three I guess he only faced two batters because he got a double play on that Bregman fly out it's like I don't think Astros hitters or Astros fans are now all of a sudden scared when a role as Chapman comes into the game I still feel like and I feel like this is a Rangers guy, but I know they're hoping they get to see more as Chapman in this series because they feel great about their chances against him.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. As a matter of fact, I would have been okay with uh, Bochy bringing in Clerk for the last two outs of the eighth inning last night, just because of the, the part of the order that they were at. Yeah. And while I have no confidence, or I had no confidence in him getting Bregman out while it was much less of a pressure, uh, pressure situation with uh, with the guy that followed, who is the most dangerous hitter in either lineup, maybe with the exception of Kyle Seager, uh, you did not feel good about him facing Jordan Alvarez either. I, I was no. just, just kind of resigned to the fact that he was about to hit a home run and it was going to be a one-run game. Now, fortunately, that didn't happen. And uh, credit to uh, the, the Rangers' game plan. With Alvarez last night because Montgomery got him to strike out in a huge moment in that game early on. I think you mentioned it in the uh, the third and fourth, uh, one of which was bases loaded, the other where there were guys on for Jordan Alvarez. Uh, but their game plan was great, and hopefully that continues today with a guy who is arguably
0: the best Rangers starter in the postseason right now, that being Nathan Iavaldi. Yeah, Jordan 0 for 4 with three strikeouts last night, and it's weird. Like, Jose Altuve, I feel like, is 30-for-20 lifetime against Aroldis Chapman. Does that make sense? Well, it kind of does if you've watched those two guys yeah. go up against each other. oldest Chapman, going into that at-bat in the eighth, 0-for-4 4 with four strikeouts. That was the first time he'd ever put the ball in play against Chapman. But it was a weak ground out to first. So, that's weird. Like, the one dude on that Astros lineup that uh, Chapman has had success against is, yeah, their best hitter in uh in uh Jordan alvarez so still much better to face that dude with nobody on so he can't be the tying run but yeah he uh good inning and, and good game good win by the rangers the astros offense held to just five hits all singles only three ab's with runners in scoring position for the strows yesterday game two today 337 afternoon game it's from valdez for the astros it is the aforementioned nathan avaldi for the rangers and look the rangers have to feel pretty good like The Rangers, number two, beat the Astros, number one. Now the Rangers have their number one going against the Astros, number two. And as good as Fromber's been over the course of his career, he struggled as of late. His last three starts going back to the regular season have not been good. Uh, He was the pitcher who got hit around by the Twins in the only game the Astros lost in the ALDS. He got hit around. He didn't get out of the fifth inning in that loss to Minnesota. Uh, Fromber, as great as he's been in the playoffs, too, just it's it's been a little bit of a struggle. And like you said, Nathan Avaldi has been lights out in his two postseason starts.
1: And surprisingly, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride for Astros starters not named Justin Verlander in the postseason, too. So I know Astros fans can look at last night and say, yeah, we would like to have won that one. But we also haven't been great at home this year. So the hope is to split one of these first two games and then go into Arlington and win at least two of three. Have an opportunity to close out over the last two games at the Juice Box. But uh, look, if the Rangers can win this one today even with as good as the Astros are they are in a great position
0: heading back to Arlington on Wednesday yeah yeah of course they are uh, I wouldn't call the series over even if the Rangers find a win because of who the Astros have been on the road this year and hell I go back to the 2019 World Series I know the Astros ended up losing that thing but they dropped the first two games against Washington at home and then went to D.C. and won all three games now unfortunately for the Astros they couldn't take care of business at home in game six or seven but uh, yeah, look, I, I, obviously the Rangers want to get this one. They want to be up 2 0. Astros want to split this thing 1 1. That goes without saying. But uh, regardless of what happens today, I don't think this series is over by any stretch. But we'll see what Fromber we get. I mean, Fromber, five career ALCS starts. He's 3 and 1 with a 1.8 ERA. So cool. he's, he's been money in this round over the course of his career. But uh, as Ike says, yeah, Frommer's mental state is key. I mean, if he gets rattled early, sometimes the wheels can fall off for him. So he's had a bunch of success in the Rangers uh, against the Rangers, and the Astros are going to need him to be an ace. Like this dude has been an ace. I know JV gets a lot of the pomp and a lot of the fanfare, and how can he not? He's a future Hall of Famer. He's one of the best pitchers in the history of the game. But Frommer really has been like a one A to JV over the last couple of years. The Astros need him to be that guy today to get uh, back on track and to find a win. Yeah, and um,
1: just thinking about last night's game, BK, and, and Fromber's mental state, Like the, the Rangers lineup is so good at frustrating pitchers because they really work counts so well, which is crazy to think about because as they talked about on the broadcast last night and has been mentioned all year long, the Rangers are such a heavy first-pitch-swinging team. Oftentimes, when you get a team like that, they don't go deep into counts, but pretty much everybody in this Rangers lineup, maybe with the exception of Garcia at times, works counts really well, and that uh, that makes it that much tougher on pitchers, and you know that more pitches come postseason time or in that high-pressure situation, which theoretically is putting more stress on the arm with each and every pitch. Yeah, a couple of uh, updates.
0: Ken Rosenthal of... The Athletic and Fox reports that Jordan Alvarez is dealing with the virus, upset stomach, headaches. Apparently, he was not a part of the pregame intros last night. Mm. You know, they do at the start of every series where they introduce every single player on both teams. Apparently, he wasn't there for that. Maybe that explains the uh, 0 for 4 with three strikeout performance that uh, he put on display.
1: Look great players learn to battle through adversity. Michael Jordan didn't let the Hershey Squirt stop him from that incredible game against the Utah Jazz in, in game whatever of the 90-ish, 94-ish finals, 97-ish finals. But uh, maybe Jordan and the, uh, the Hershey Squirts that he's dealing with is uh, keeping him less
0: focused at the plate. And if so, I'm okay with that. Uh, are you saying that Jordan Alvarez was up till 4 a.m. drinking and gambling last night. Is that the uh, accusations you're making right now?
1: I thought the conspiracy theory with MJ's flu game is that uh, some Utah Goombas brought him his pizza late night. And there was something on that pizza that led to the digestive slash food poisoning issue. That's
0: the conspiracy theory. They talked about that in the uh, Last Dance docuseries. Yeah came out during COVID, but I just think it was Jordan being hung over from staying up too late and gambling a bunch the night before. <laughs> you think he
1: went to uh, some Salt Lake City Little League games and was getting drunk
0: and gambling on the kids at the plate? Uh, No, but if he did that at some point in his life, that would not surprise me at all, especially when he was rocking the stash that he had during uh, those Fruit of the Loom or Hanes commercials, whatever that deal was.
1: Hitler stash. I I keep thinking about our prospective World Series bet. I really hope you're in on that one.
0: No, uh, not in on that one. In on most other bets, but can't do that one. Not with the current climate. Oh, yeah. Not with with any climate, actually. Well, come on.
1: (laughs) That one stash?
0: Hey, yeah, that's what it's known as. Um, bad news or interesting news, if you're a Rangers fan, the lineups mm-hmm. are out for game two. Oh, okay. Evan Carter is not in the Rangers lineup today. He's not hurt. He's not sick. He's not dealing with Hershey squirts, as you like to call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bruce Bochy has left Evan Carter on the bench to start this game. Carter is a left-handed hitter. He has struggled against left-handed pitching. Of course, Fromber's a lefty. So it's Robbie Grossman who gets the start in left field for the Rangers today. Now, the word is, as soon as Fromber is taken out of the game, Evan Carter will insert the game. But, look, I trust Boach. He's got three more World Series than I'll ever have, and he's a Hall of Fame manager with more than 2,000 wins. He's a freaking monster, and this is his time of the year. But I just don't know, after what Evan Carter did last night, both at the plate, but more so with the glove. I mean, two incredible catches, including that huge play in the eighth inning that we talked about. I don't know how you leave that guy in the dugout for this game tonight or today.
1: Evan Carter gave a ton of credit to Robbie Grossman for helping him understand how to play defensively in left field after last night's game. Perhaps this is a bit of a nod to that. I'm not crazy about this move, though, BK. Evan Carter has been a catalyst for this team at the plate and in the field all throughout the postseason, and I want to see him in the lineup. Even if he has struggled against lefties, He's the type of talent that you still give that opportunity to
0: because guys like this tend to rise to the moment. I agree. He doesn't look like a rookie. I know the announcers have been saying that, and if you're an Astros fan, you were probably tired of hearing Joe and John say that last night. But this dude has been cool, calm, and collected all season long, and yeah, I just he's got to be in the lineup, man. A little bit of a nitpick with
1: regards to the regular playoff broadcast, I guess, because I haven't tuned into a ton of playoff baseball even this year, and I'm assuming this is something that's been going on for a few years now. Ken Rosenthal and anybody else who is uh, part of the field reporting team, they have entirely too much access to the dugout during games. Like It's one thing if you're asking a manager to throw on a headset to answer a question or two between innings but they're literally interviewing these guys microphone in hand. They're interviewing players yeah. during the game itself. Like Jonah Heim had to answer like one or two questions in the middle of last night's game. It was about Jordan Montgomery maybe, but it's like, can we please draw a line where you're not asking questions of the players mid-game? You know, not like, like Ask that? Questions after the game if you need. Like you're not providing that much more in the way of insight for people watching the
0: game itself. I don't know. I enjoy it. I mean, I get the players not might like uh, might not like it because, yeah, it is during the game, but I think it adds to the broadcast a little bit. It's pretty cool to get that perspective. And there's so much downtime in baseball. Like, it's not like these dudes, I mean, if you're, you know, eight batters away when your team's up to bat, you're not doing shit. Go talk to somebody for 30 seconds. It's not going to kill you. Hey, Ken Rosenthal, this is the sport of
1: stories. Find a fucking story to tell and stop bothering the players during the game. He's trying to find a story by talking to the players. Do some digging. Look throughout history. Look throughout earlier this oh, season. I
2: don't find care. out where
1: these guys grew up. Who was gambling on them when they were in Little League?
0: Well, that, the answer to that is me. There's no need to do any research on that. We already know who that is. So there's your story right there, Rosie. You were you were gambling on Jonah Himes minor league games when
1: you were two and he was zero. <laughs> Wait, he may actually be older than you now, so I don't know. I'll yeah,
0: just, I'm, I'm not sure where you were going with there. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm cool with those uh, those in-game interviews, but I'm sure the players are like, why am I doing this in the middle of a playoff game? Do I have to do this? So, I don't know. All right, Rangers-Astros, game two, 337. First pitch, we'll see if the Strohs can even up the score. Obviously, the Rangers hoping for that 2-0 lead as things will shift back to Arlington for the next three games starting on Wednesday. Before we shift gears and get into some football convo, how about a word from our buddy Tom McKay and the crew at AV Consultations.
2: Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. Scientific data proves it. Size does matter. The bigger and wider your television is, the better. Football season is here, and the time is now to get your entire audio video experience tuned up and ready. New flat screens, projection video, Dolby True HD surround, all the goodies at great prices and followed up with great service. So call us at 255-8678. That's 255-8678. Or on the web at avconsultations.com
0: indeed shout out to av consultations and shout out to our friends at the altstadt brewery as well weather's cooling down if you're looking for something to do on an upcoming weekend here in central texas how about a trip to the altstadt brewery in fredericksburg right in the heart of the beautiful central texas hill country easy trek from austin but hey if you're in h-town or dallas it's not that far from you either and i'm telling you it is worth the trip it is the perfect day trip for the beer drinkers in your life so much to do out there place is massive there's an outdoor beer garden there's a uh, german style restaurant of course you get to try many samples of the great altstadt beer there's a wedding venue they've got live music going on every weekend i'm telling you it's uh, a great place to go if you want to have a good time in central texas and hey for monday baseball football a lot going on on tv you need a great beer to accompany your sports watching make that altstadt beer it is the official beer of bk it should be the official beer of you as well. It's all step beer. No impurities. No regrets. Trey, we'll start with the kids before we go to the NFL. Uh, Saturday, no Longhorn game, of course, but uh, I guess we'll start with the top 10 matchup, Oregon and Washington. You teased it a little bit earlier. That game lived up to the hype. It came down to the final second. Oregon missing a game-tying field goal that would have forced overtime at the buzzer. And Washington is able to get the victory And they stay unbeaten, and they hand the Ducks their first loss of the season.
1: Michael Penix is good, y'all. Even missing one of his uh, secondary targets uh, who uh, gets injured early in the game, and then he has another wide receiver go down later in the game. And he himself was dealing, I don't know if it was a rib issue or an ab injury. Something was bothering him upper body at the end of that game. He was still making the throws that he needed to. And exceptional downfield accuracy also. I mean, he's good at all three levels, but he is really good at that deep ball. And Washington is a complete team. And don't be surprised to see them play their way into the college football playoff when it's all said and done, even with a single loss. They do have a tough schedule the rest of the way because they are in the Pac-12 right now. But a huge statement game for them. And unfortunately for Oregon fans, Dan Lanning wastes a great Bo Nix performance on the road with a very questionable go-for-it-on-fourth-down call where they don't get it, give Washington a short field. They score like three plays later. And I get it. Washington's offense had been really good for most of the afternoon, so there's a chance that they are able to march it down the field, 80, 75, 85, 90 yards, whatever it ends up being after the punt. You still have to force them into that situation versus giving them that short field. Now, Oregon did get the ball back and had a chance to march it down themselves and miss that uh, potential game-tying field goal as time expired. But this matchup lived up to the billing, and that's what I was hoping for more than anything else heading into that game when we were talking about on Friday, BK, is just watching these two teams slug it out and go
0: back and forth. And sure enough, that's what we've got from the get-go. Yeah, and we were hoping for points, and we got points. And we were hoping for great quarterback play, and we got great quarterback play. Both of these guys were spectacular. And Michael Penix Jr. should be your Heisman favorite right now. I mean, him doing what he did coupled with Caleb Williams throwing three picks in a blowout loss at Notre Dame for USC. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think Vegas has, I haven't looked at the odds, but I assume they have Michael Penix Jr. as the favorite right now, and he absolutely should be. If the season ended today, that would be his trophy. Um, I loved the Dan Lanning decision, by the way it didn't really it didn't work out and it's getting criticized and it's fair that it's getting criticized but i loved it man like bo nix is your best player you got a chance to keep the ball in his hands you need three yards the way your offense had been rolling the way he had been rolling you pick up one first down and you win that ball game i'm cool with it take your chances with your best unit on the field didn't work credit washington's defense they didn't do a ton right on saturday but they obviously did that right and uh yeah they got the stop and Like you said, it made for a very easy Washington drive. It was only two plays. I mean, they scored too quick. They scored in 33 seconds to take the lead. And I'm like, oh, I was having Dylan Gabriel flashbacks. I'm like, shoot, Washington better hope Oregon only settles for a field goal here because you just gave Bo Nix a ton of time. And he's a minute and a half. He can march down the field and score a touchdown and ball game over just like that. But Washington's defense, once again, they bowed up. And then, yeah, Oregon's kicker, uh, 43 yarder, so not a chippy, but – Uh, Obviously, that sucks. That sucks. College kickers striking again. Uh, But hell of a game, man. Washington is legit. The Pac-12 is really, really good. The Conference of Champions, as Bill Walton likes to say, uh, that was a great game and a great display of football. I'm sure a lot of folks haven't caught a ton of either of those teams this year because they're in the Pac-12, but those two teams played really well. I think those are two of the best teams in the country, and they uh, they treated us for a few hours. Now, if I'm remembering correctly, the Pac-12 is playing their championship
1: game this year by pitting the two best teams against one another, correct?
0: Yes. So
1: There is a chance we see Washington and Oregon face off again in
0: December. Yes. (laughs) Yes. They started that last year. No divisions. So, yes. So, yeah, there is a chance we get a rematch. We'll see, man. Like, the playoff conversation surrounding the Pac-12 is a fascinating one to me because there's... No debate, or at least there shouldn't be a debate, that if somebody wins the Pac-12 championship with only one loss, they're a Final Four team. Like, the league is that good this year. And some years in the past, you're like, yeah, you lose one game and you shouldn't even be in the mix. But this year, now nah, one loss, you win the Pac-12. Washington, Oregon, USC, whoever it is, uh, that should be good enough to get you into the CFP. I just, I just wonder if this conference is going to cannibalize itself so bad to where no one's going to get through here with just one loss i know you said last week the winner of this game you thought was going to be a playoff team i assume you're sticking to your guns on that one uh with washington now but i just i mean i'm looking at their remaining schedule and they've got you know they got utah they've got to play they've got washington state they've got to play i think they've got oregon state they've got to play like it's just ranked team after rank team after ranked team so it it would be impressive For Washington, if they're able to run through this uh, and plus a potential rematch with Oregon, if they're able to run through this with uh, just one loss or maybe with no losses, then, yeah, they are worthy of a final four spot. And hell, they might be uh, worthy of a higher seed than where they're at right now.
1: Washington is the only undefeated team left in the Pac-12 in terms of season record. There are two undefeated teams in conference play. USC still undefeated in conference play, even after suffering that embarrassing loss to Notre Dame. With them, you expect another loss, though, because they've been teetering on the brink for what feels like a month. Oregon State at a single loss right now. So that Oregon-Oregon State game, the Civil War matchup at the end of the year will be a big deal. Utah only has a loss, uh, one loss on the season, one loss in conference play. I expect them to lose at least a couple more, too, before it's all said and done. An unfortunate weekend for Washington State. Uh, that that wow. L kind of came out of nowhere. I realized Arizona had played USC tough the week before, but Washington State got completely embarrassed in that game, 44-6. to six. Yeah, I didn't
0: watch any of that. I was just checking the score. I, I thought it was a typo. Like, I thought, you know, they should have put the 44 by Wazoo and the 6 by Arizona, but beat yeah. down there. How about, okay, here are the potential last five games of the year for Washington. And okay. Four of these are obviously on the schedule. The fifth one is a Pac-12 championship at USC, Utah, at Oregon State, Washington State, neutral site Oregon. <laughs> that's a that's a gauntlet. I mean, if you go four and one in that stretch, you are a freaking playoff team. Yeah, uh, five and zero, oh, then you should be the number one team in the country going into the playoffs. Uh, If Georgia doesn't lose, I don't know if that will happen, but they they should be. They will have earned that. So uh, a couple weeks before that stretch starts, it's Arizona State at home, then at Stanford for Washington. So you'd think they'd take care of those two teams. But, boy, yeah, what a freaking mess to end the year for the Huskies. That is murderer's row, which is not something you say about a Pac-12 slate very often. So the AP
1: voters haven't been afraid to really jump a team up if they – Uh, get a tough, hard-fought win against another top-ranked opponent during this season, but Washington only jumps up to five. Like, I would have had no issues with them jumping into the top four. Maybe you bump Florida State down a spot, or you could even put them above Ohio State even though Ohio State uh, did end up looking good this weekend, too. But ultimately, it's not that big of a deal, I guess. If Washington continues to take care of business, they will ultimately find themselves in the top four. That's
0: it. That's it. I mean, you know at least one of those top four teams is going to lose because, you know, they play each other, Ohio State and Michigan, at the end of the season. So, yeah, UW takes care of its business. Once again, they can afford a loss. If they win the Pac-12, they can uh, be fine, still make it to the playoff. But... Man, that's a, that's a good Washington team, and that was a hell of a game on Saturday. Uh, other games of note in college football. The Aggies lose to Tennessee. Special teams for the second week in a row doing them in. Last week it was a blocked punt, or excuse me, a blocked field goal. That uh, was brutal for a and and led to an Alabama score. And then this week it was a return touchdown. That was the game-winning touchdown for Tennessee. So Jimbo Fisher now 4-3 and three on the season He needs more time, though, Trey. Let him get his players in there. It's only year six.
1: Yeah, there was a great stat floating around this weekend that I retweeted. Give me just a second here while I look this one up because this uh, tells you everything you need to know if you're an A&M fan. Jimbo Fisher is 43-24 at Texas A&M. Kevin Sumlin was 45-22 at this point. Jimbo's average recruiting class rank over the last five years is 6.8. Sumlin's last five averaged 11.2. Yikes. So
0: better talent, worse record. Yeah, the NIL has obviously helped A&M a lot. They've sure. been in that historically great class a couple of years ago. But the development, unfortunately, us Texas fans know that word way, way too well. Uh, the development just hasn't been there. So... Uh, Yeah, I think A&M fans are ready to move on. I hope the Aggies find a couple of wins this season and run it back with Jimbo for, hell, another few years. Let him finish out that contract. Why not, man? I was telling Bucky this morning, you gave him that contract. Be men. Be men of your word, A&M, okay? All the boosters, spend your money, donate it to charity, take care of your families. Don't be paying some other rich guy's buyout. You don't need to do that. Be better, be smarter with your money. And uh, let Jimbo Fisher stay there for the duration of that contract, yeah?
1: Yeah, either that or dig through the couch cushions to try and f- scrape together the full buyout amount because you very foolishly decided to extend him for another couple of years, two years ago when he made it to a New Year's Six game, and now you're on the hook for that much more money. Ugh, you had to jump on there. You couldn't let another season or two play out before you give him a- another extension. Nobody else is going to... Hired Jimbo away from Am at that point. what levers did he use against you that you actually felt inclined to follow through with an extension of what was already looked at as an extremely bad deal, not just by people away from college station, by your own fan base too.
0: The COVID year man. AM wasn't the only school that fell victim to a COVID year, right? I think Mel Tucker at Michigan State got his huge extension because the Spartans had a really good year that year. Indiana tom allen they had a great season in 2020 they gave that dude a huge extension and now indiana freaking sucks like it was dumb you're right there's no way around it AM didn't need to do it uh and they did it and yeah it made the buyout a, a lot more and that contract is fully guaranteed so they've got the money they'll find it i just i hope they don't because i want to go up against jimbo fisher the next couple of years when we make the move to the sec
1: Meanwhile, the COVID year for the Texas Longhorns meant pursuing Urban Meyer Mm. and ultimately firing Tom Herman and bringing Steve Sarkeesian aboard. So I guess that move has worked out pretty well for us up to this point. Yeah,
0: so far so good on that front. Notre Dame over USC, we mentioned that. Any, Any thoughts? I mean, 48 to 20, like, USC's defense, we've known how bad that they are, but special teams was a disaster. Caleb Williams threw three picks how is USC's offensive line so bad that that is what I don't get like Caleb Williams had his first bad game and he's really been carrying SC this year like if he had played like he had played on Saturday then USC would have three or four losses right now he's been a one-man show for the Trojans to this point but that old that guy's running for his life on every play like how yeah. how does that happen at USC?
1: the fact that notre dame scored 48 points in this game and you look at their offensive stats like their offensive numbers were fairly pedestrian hartman was okay estimate who's one of the best running backs yardage wise this year he didn't even crack 100 but they didn't need to though because as you mentioned caleb williams turns the ball over three times it gives the notre dame offense some short fields there was also a defensive touchdown too if i'm remembering correctly and made easy work of USC, and this, like I said, this has been something that has felt like it's been coming for a month now. And all it took was Caleb Williams not playing to a Heisman level for things to come crashing down, and that's exactly what happened. He had been having to do things almost entirely on his own for the last couple of weeks, certainly without any defensive help, but even offensively, it felt like he wasn't getting enough from his receivers or running backs. I didn't really even notice the offensive line issues, but if he's having to run for his life on top of not knowing who he can actually trust to throw the football to down the field, then that's a problem. And it likely means we see this USC team lose at least a couple more games before the season's over with. Yeah.
0: Go back and watch if you didn't see the O-line issues, because they are uh, they are prevalent. Five turnovers for USC. And like you said, Notre Dame had 251 yards of total offense. And they yeah. scored 48 Usually, if you get 250, you're scoring like 14. They had 48 because of the short fields and the special team stuff. I mean, Texas Texas against Oklahoma scored, what, 30? They had 550 yards of total offense. Notre Dame had 250. It scored 48. Uh, yeah, USC just shot itself in the foot a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And you're right. They've got a couple more L's, I think, coming their way. Um Quick Cowboys-Chargers thought before we get to where we had in society. I think both of us picked the Cowboys in our picks on Friday. I think you yeah. gained a couple of games. I got to go back and check uh, with our season-long pick'em contest that we're doing a great job of keeping track of. I um,
1: stupidly flipped to Oregon, even though I initially picked Washington, so I lost that no, one. No,
0: you didn't. It was a push. It was a three. So, we pushed. Oh, yeah. yes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We both had USC, I think, which was dumb. But you had... No, I had Notre Dame. You had Notre Dame? Okay, I picked Notre Dame because the line made no sense that Notre Dame was favored by two and a
1: half. And sometimes you just got to go in that direction when it makes no sense.
0: Yeah, and I think there was one other game that you got. Ah, yeah, it was uh, Texans. Yeah, you had the Texans over the Saints. Yep, I can't even remember the third college game we picked.
1: Third college game was we both had Oregon State over UCLA. Okay,
0: very good. All right. So we both have the Cowboys tonight. You still feel that way? You still like the Cowboys? Uh, it's one and a half. It's basically a pick them. What are you thinking?
1: That's more more of an anti-Brandon Staley <laughs> thing. But yeah, I think the Cowboys are going to win this game. Yeah. I do.
0: Nine and one coming off of a loss since 2021. So uh, last week couldn't have looked worse. And then the fact that the Niners lost to the Browns and PJ Walker yesterday mm-hmm. made the Cowboys loss to the Niners look even worse than it already did. We'll talk more yep. at random NFL tomorrow on the show but uh yeah I'll, I'll bank on the cowboys i don't feel great about it they've got issues especially offensively but uh, i think they find a win against the chargers and what will feel like a home game even though it's in los angeles and yeah i think uh there are rumors about lincoln riley talking to the chargers this past week did you hear about this uh okay like, no i didn't it's like people are like well oh, that's why usc look like crap and understandable to realize why the chargers would be snooping around a a potential new head coach because brandon staley has been over his head
1: he definitely is that and that's been
0: evident since year one and if you're a chargers fan
1: there are still a few out there i actually have a friend who's a chargers fan but he's also a san diego native too Mm. and uh, now he just cries sad tears every time they play a home game in los angeles since they have no fan base in la But uh, he's pissed because he realizes that they're wasting some of Justin Herbert's best years with Brandon Staley in charge and now with Kellen Moore calling plays for him. So the sooner that they are able to make a change at the top, the better off that franchise and Justin Herbert will be going forward.
0: I think you're right. I think you are right. Okay, we've got about 10 minutes left before uh, Jeff Barker replaces me. By the way, Lifetime Longhorn Tristan Nicholson will be a guest on Trey and Jeff Barker. I think he's coming on at two o'clock This afternoon so uh, the guys will talk some Texas football with a former Texas football player and then Chip and Zay coming your way from three to five like they do every Monday right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Trey how about a word for our friends at Pest Wranglers before we get to where we at in society.
1: That's right Pest Wranglers Pest Wranglers Pest Wranglers. They are the sponsor for where we at in society and a supporter of Texas Sports Unfiltered. We are so grateful to steve aka cooter for bringing pest wranglers aboard here at tsu pest wranglers has actually been in business since 2006 and in that time in the last gosh 17 years now steve has created a culture that is all about customer service of course they're going to do a great job of taking care of whatever the pest problems you have around your home or place of business but steve values relationships that is evident with how he treats his employees. It's also evident with how his employees treat the customers. It's why they have so many five-star reviews on Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. You can find out for yourself. First, go to PestWranglers.com. Find out whatever info you need and also get the contact information as well. PestWranglers.com, the proud sponsor of...
2: Where are we at in society today?
1: is your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction very occasionally i will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism as it's all saying to ourselves hey maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out perhaps all is not lost but sadly today is not that day and this is uh, unfortunately one of those stories that is going to make any guy listening right now squirm or most guys listening right now. Squirm, perhaps you're one of those guys who doesn't have a hard time with stories involving testicular injuries. Uh, but it is my duty to bring this one to you. Thank you to the New York Post for this story. And just going to have to read the headline, BK. Man's testicles lost in his abdomen after a traumatic motorcycle crash. Oh. An Italian motorcyclist was left in excruciating pain after a motorcycle crash, dislodged his testicle, and sent it up into his body, as detailed in a study from the British Medical Journal case reports. Quote, we present the case of a man who suffered a traumatic dislocation of the right testis in the abdomen after a motorcycle crash. The event reportedly occurred after the unidentified 20-something patient got into a motorcycle accident in Italy, which caused his right ball to become dislocated. The impact reportedly forced the gonad out of the scrotum and through the uh, a canal that I'm not even going to try and pronounce, a small passageway in the groin before it finally settled in the abdomen. The patient subsequently reported to the hospital where it was revealed that he had a large mass of clotted blood in the scrotum, preventing medics from properly examining his errant genitals. After stemming the hemorrhage and draining the reservoir of blood, doctors tended to the unfortunate soul's other injuries, which included a serious pelvic fracture. They also checked to make sure that the urinary tract had not sustained any damage in the freak accident. A subsequent CT scan helped locate... The displaced testicle which had traveled far afield into his right abdomen as seen in stomach-churning x-ray photos. Please don't show nope. those. I'm going to have to show the x-rays so that you can see oh. just how far up his abdomen it went.
0: I don't know if I want to see these. It's like a All scary right. movie with the hands over the eyes, and I'm like debating yeah, I, if I should...
1: You you want to you, you probably do want to cover up, but you also need to look too.
0: That's very contradicting. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. All right, here we go. Okay. Here we go. So the guy's nut in his chest.
1: In see, his see here, right there, you see the red circle? Yeah. That's how far <laughs> up his <has happened laughs> abdomen the testicle went.
0: Oh, dude, I know you just explained how that happened, but how does that happen? How does yeah. it get in there?
1: That's not good. Oh,
0: my God.
1: Not good. No.
0: Is that how Kevin lost his?
1: <laughs> nope. That was cancer in the subsequent surgery.
0: Oh, it might be better than what that guy had. God. Yeah. Dude. That, oh.
1: So um. you may be asking what happened after they realized that one of his nuts ended up in his stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Doctors warmed up the oxygen-deprived organ before locking it back into socket via a procedure called an orchidopixy. Orchidopixy. Orchids of or-
0: Asia day spa? Mm. Mm. So they got it back where it needs to go. Oh, the orchidopoxy. <laughs> The
1: orchidopexy is often used to treat children whose testicles don't fully descend during development. Hey, maybe that's what happened to me. Six months after the accident, <laughs> the man's equipment had returned to normal and didn't impact his hormone and semen production. Whoa, as can unfortunately be the case with such extra scrotal excursions. Wow. Other instances of motorcycle-induced testicular displacement—that is the medical name for it—and that is horrific which comprises about 80% of total cases of testicular displacement. Only 6% of them saw the genitals make it all the way to the abdomen. So even when the nut ends up dislodged, BK, it doesn't usually go all the way up, halfway up
0: the abdomen. Wow. That is awful. Awful, awful, awful. Glad this guy's okay. Um, More of a reason why I will not be buying a motorcycle anytime ever
1: because you had a dream at one point to own a motorcycle didn't you yeah
0: got my motorcycle license and everything then i got into a uh, pretty bad car wreck back in 2017 and you did? yeah yeah yeah. you remember this one oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 it was one of those like if i was on a bike i'd be dead so yeah. that was like all right i'm good like I was saving up for a motorcycle, I got my license. I was ready to roll, and then I was like, "Nah, nah, nah, nah. I'm, uh, I'm going to avoid this. But I think death would be better than what this guy had to deal with—just the testes shooting up into the system." Yeah, I've heard of I've heard of the ruptured
1: testicle before. As we bring Jeff Barker on, I've heard of the ruptured ruptured testicle before. Yeah, I've heard of the twisted testicle before. But not the
0: dislocated testicle that ends up in your guts. No. I think Manu Ginobili had the torsion at some point in his playing career.
1: I I knew a guy in high school. he, He was playing baseball. He was like a middle infielder, I want to say. And he suffered the twisted testicle bit. Knocked him out for the season. That's it? Well, I'm... There's probably some other issues too. <laughs> as much as I care. We God. lost one of the middle infielders for the year.
2: Every week, fellas, every week is just some I I I could never even guess. Never in my life. You could give me a million guesses, and I could never guess what you guys are gonna be talking about whenever I come on.
0: Uh you planning Amazing. on having any kids, Jeff? Any more kids?
2: I, I am, I am. So whatever, I missed the first part of that, but whatever this man did, I need to make sure I do not do. He <laughs> got into a motorcycle accident, Jeff,
1: that uh, wrecked his midsection so bad he had testicular displacement that pushed his right testy from its normal spot all the way up into his abdomen. Oh, my gosh. I'll show you the picture again.
0: Oh, please don't. <laughs> We don't need this.
1: No, he's gotta see the picture. He's got we gotta make sure he understands what exactly happened here. Oh, this is it, Trey's starting me out on the, the scared straight program. Yeah. <laughs> this red circle is is where his testicle ended up. Oh like my it god. It's not even in the abdomen, it's in the oblique more than anything else.
2: Good thing is uh I don't plan on getting on a motorcycle anytime soon. Exactly. Yep. God bless it, dude. I would I would love to one day like like maybe when I have a, you know, disposable income, I'm retired or whatever. I'd love to have like a bike that I just like cruise around, to, you know, I don't know, like a nice ride through the hill country, maybe something like that. There you go. Are you talking but, about yeah. a hog or a crotch rocket? Uh, I would want to do like the speed, like the, the fun ones, not the, I mean, I'm not like a fan of the Harleys. They're cool, but I don't know. That's probably what I should do. Mm. Safer, it seems like. As safe as a motorcycle could be, I guess.
0: Yeah. And what was the surgery tray? If your that the guy had to get, it's the same as if your balls don't drop when you're going through puberty, <laughs> <laughs> like, like your voice cracks. Right <laughs> well, I'm asking, asking for a friend.
1: <laughs> yeah. He was just doing that on purpose. Yeah, it is. It's a very well played bit by him. It's an orchidopexy, and it's yes. usually used to treat children whose testicles don't fully descend during development. Mm.
0: Orchidopexy. There you go. The more you know. Yeah, it's for a friend, not for me. We're good on that deal. <laughs> All right, fellas. Excited to listen today. Y'all have a great show. Thanks, BK. Okay,